Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, and welcome to the 77th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I am your host, as always, Kevin Clemente, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by two very special temporary guest hosts. But before I introduce them, quick little update. You noticed and you follow me on Twitter, and you should. You got the update that we put out nothing last week because we're putting out two episodes this week. This first one is going to be a Salt Lake City meta discussion, as you've seen from the title. And the next one in a couple of days or a day, depending on if you're on a podcasting platform or on YouTube, is going to be an interview with someone who did very well at Peoria Regionals. I'll let you get to that one when we get there, though. But... We're going to do Salt Lake City. We have two people going to Salt Lake City and two people who have been incredibly successful in their career. Joining us for the 25th time or something like that, we have Alex Cook. Still not enough time, but, you know, hi. (laughs) And joining us for the very first time, a long overdue guest, we have the master of the dark patch, Israel Sosa. What's up? Finally, uh excited to be here and I can finally retire happy <laughs> is this your retirement announcement yep i finally got into lake of rage and this is it well now you want to like anymore <laughs> well we'll still get your insight before you before you retire <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure so we got a very special episode. We're going to talk about Salt Lake City Regionals. Both of these two are attending. I am unfortunately not. I have a newborn to take care of, but I have been playing the format a fair amount. And so I'm still going to interject my thoughts because I like to hear myself talk. Before we do that, I'm going to have both of these two introduce themselves a little bit and why they are experts. And I asked them to join us. So Alex, start us off first. What are some of your accomplishments in the game and how long have you been playing? Well, first of all, shout out to uh, Kevin's newborn. Uh, I am because of that. I am now the odd one out here, being the only non-Pokey dad on this this round of the podcast. So, yeah, this is uh, the earliest we've ever recorded in a non with like non-European or non-Australian guests, and I love it so much. This is so much better. <laughs> so shout out, shout out to the Pokey dads everywhere. Um, I, I've. Four world qualifications. I runner up at a at a regionals forever ago. A couple top eights, a couple top sixteens. I don't know. You know me from Sable Guard, but I also play other things. Uh, wacky, weird stuff, I guess. Uh, Miltank Morpeko is the most recent. Uh, played some other stuff. Uh, in 2016, I won the Pokey Beach Invitational. Uh, so that's what's up. Um, and that's it. Oh, uh, did I tell you, I told you about the Godfather of Cube thing. Yes. The, the, <laughs> the Cube server, there's a, there's a Cube server going around and they, they called me the Godfather of Cube and I'm bringing that nickname to the grave. Leave so it, I'm, leave it to you 
to take a very simple introduction and take seven minutes to do it. <laughs> what, what do you want from me, man? I gotta shout out the kids thing. I do have to say though, uh, if anyone listening to this actually knows what the Pokey Beach Invitational is or was, please either tweet at us or put it in the YouTube comments because I'm curious if anyone knows <laughs> that you reference at all. The, during the like the run up before 2016, the Top Cut did like an invitational tournament at Worlds every single year, and then in 2016 they didn't do one because I think that was the year that Puka started working for Pokemon, so like the Top Cut like wasn't like a big thing, and so Poke Beach was like we're gonna do the Poke Beach Invitational, and did eight players. Okay. At San Francisco, it, like it took me a minute to remember the Poke Beach Invitational. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> What what in the world was that? Was that an online thing? I remember that, and I was like, didn't sixty cards? Uh, didn't I think it was sixty cards? They also did one similar too. Did they did an invitational back then? They did a, they did a team. I think they that was a different. Yeah, they probably did. I bet you. Shout out to because sixty everyone cards. Was trying to like capitalize on like Top Cut not being around. Again, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I have that feather in my cap. The, the field was actually fairly stacked. The Kettler was there. Mahone was there. Um. Xander Bennett, I guess I can give him a thumbs up. It was, it was a pretty good little thing. Israel, why are you on the pod? What are some of your accomplishments, and how long have you been playing? Uh, oof. Uh, so I started playing in 2009. Uh, became a competitor around 2013. Uh, I've been to Worlds five times. I won regionals five times. Top set <laughs> of regionals probably 30, 20 to 30 times. Uh, one one of the regionals that Alex actually got top eight in. Uh, <laughs> what a flex! <laughs> was that San Jose? Uh, no, Portland. You lost to uh, Alex. Yeah, I did lose. To, oh, yeah, yeah. Because like, I, like, yeah, like, yeah, I was like, oh, just play against us. You, you won't lose. I promise. Yeah, uh, no, I got, I got, I got rocked. That matchup's on YouTube. If you want to just see me get absolutely destroyed in ten minutes, Sable Garb <laughs> against something with Getsus. Uh, yeah, Maxis. Oh, yeah. and Sableye himself, so he just he gets mm. with me about thirty times. That's so good. <laughs> so, uh, oh, oh gosh, do you have you more accomplishments? Well, I was on a, I was on a just flex that I did. Uh, I qualify a players cup with just playing <laughs> Butterfree for all my keys. But other than that, that was it. That was a big one. But I, I do s- have my partner, Yeah. Did you see uh, Andre tweeted out? a fake limitless page where like, Oh, I'm the best butterfree player ever. And it was like, you, you picked the wrong meme. Like someone actually did really well with butterfree for a while there. I was like, I, I wish there was like real tournaments at that time where <laughs> I'd probably be up there. That Like real talk, that butterfree deck was actually really nuts. And obviously it became the Rillaboom Mewtwo list, like eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were playing the engine before the rest of us, just with butterfree instead of good cards. But (laughs) it was pretty good. (laughs) Bro, you can't you can't deny Butterfree V Max was not a good card. So it was definitely a beat stick that I was very (laughs) proud of. Cards. I do have to say, I also I laddered with that and beating baby blounds with Butterfree VMAX was one of the most fun things in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that reset stamp to one and then path, and I'm just like, oof, it's over. <laughs> but anyway, good luck dealing with Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. It's like we're not here to rehash the old stuff. We got we got some content. We got so to go break the fourth wall real quick, we're trying to get this done before uh football games start. 
So yes. <laughs> let's jump into Salt Lake City and the meta that we are expecting real quick because this is the first regional for both of you in the season. First chance to earn some CP. So I know you've both been trying really hard or at least hard enough, right? Or pretending mm -hmm. to try hard, depending. What decks are we expecting to be the most popular? So as a quick like reference for everyone who... If you didn't watch the YouTube video already, listeners, you should. I already broke all the data down of day one to day two conversions, the most popular decks, etc. But the most popular decks were in uh, Peoria, Kiram at number one by far for some reason. Then Mew, then Giratina and Palkia were like essentially tied. So those were those top four decks. So in Salt Lake City, do you expect the top four most played decks to look the same? Or would you expect the top four decks to look different than Kiram, Mew, Palkia, and Giratina. So, so why don't you start us off? Are those what you expect to be the most played decks? Or are you expecting something else? I think that's going to be the same thing. At least, like from my testing, that's what I try to aim to be: either beat Palkia, beat Lawson. Um, I also gotta maybe add maybe Blitzy Meltank. I think it's not a fluke. I don't think it's a meme. I think it's going to be something serious. So that's something on my radar as well for at least in the top four, top five. Okay, would you expect Hiram to be that far and away number one play deck again, or would you just expect it to be up there? Oh, for sure, up there, for sure. I don't think it'll be number one, though. Okay. Alex, what about you? I'm curious, uh, so, so what you think actually legitimately number one most played will be? I personally think that because of Lost Zone winning that last regionals, and I think it's also the cheapest, I think it'll probably be my number one that okay. I see. Uh, where was where was pure loss on box non Tina on the list of most played? It was pretty low. I want to say there were like it was there with Reggie's where it was like probably six or seven. There were sixty to seventy of them out of a thousand people. So it was like it was a meta share, but Giratina was by far the most popular loss on engine. Yeah, I would have expected box to be higher, and I and I think it should be higher. Um, I was pretty I was pretty big on it heading into Peoria. Um, I think that I think that I think we're going to get a lot of unique builds of it now because you have like the the thing that Tord brought and you have a lot of other different Lost Zone box variants that's going to be again really really weird if not more weird than we saw in Peoria. Uh I think the top 4 you mentioned will be top 4. Um I I think Kieran Palkia will still be the most played deck. Um just because some people I think People either are going to be just looking for points or they think it is the best deck in format because it does have a really good matchup spread. Um, I think people that are scared of of cute stuff like Lawson Box or Blissey Miltank are going to start playing more Empoleons. Um, I, I, that's what people are going to do. Um, the the late night this week, I think, or last week showed that, like, yeah, Blissey Miltank's not a, not a meme. Um, I'm not worried about it because I think I'm comfortable in the mirror match. <laughs> um, so uh, um, I, I'm that's that's my like fallback go-to is Blissey Miltank. Um, I it's, it it just has really good matchup spreads, and if you're looking to just get like points or to day two or something like that, Blissey Miltank's a great option that you can accidentally win the tournament with. <laughs> so I. I like I like the same meta. I don't think anyone's really like cracked the code yet, and maybe there isn't a code to crack, and we just already figured it out. But um, 
Yeah, same things. So I think it's interesting. Both of you are bringing up Blissey Miltank as like, hey, this is this is a deck. So I want to transition to that one real quick. We saw it win. So there's now two late nights. There's one for European time and one for East Coast time. I'm still not even off work by the time it starts. So I refuse to call it a late night. But anyway, the European one was won by... Blissey Miltank, and I'm pretty sure the winner of it was the individual Braden who won the regional with Duraladon, beating a Blissey in the finals. I'm pretty sure that was the same person. So very good pilot, to be fair, and a a pretty good deck builder of these what Henry Brand calls the Amoeba tier decks, where you just attack and win. And then in the evening late night, we saw not Blissey Miltank win, but it got second and a top four i believe second and third yeah yeah second and third which is really good so is this a real deck that we need to be concerned about as in like people are going to bring it or is this the like well it was a fluke online it'll show up but it's not actually something to be super concerned about so alex i'm curious because you mentioned it first is this something you think is going to show up in high numbers piloted by skilled players? Or is this kind of the online deck of some people will bring it, it'll be around, but maybe not in enough numbers or piloted by good enough players to worry about? I don't think it'll be as high numbers. Um, I think it was you that mentioned to me the other day that um, does Reggie's just, Reggie's just is not as good online because they don't have gift energy. Yeah, so without gift energy, Reggie loses a lot of matchups and would win IRL. So I think less people play Reggie's online because of that. Like, So the bigger late night, Reggie's that was played by three people. Literally three people. Um, and I and so because of that, Blissey has the freedom to like drop Dunsparce. Um, I I mean, granted, I don't. I mean, the question of are I, you going to tech for Reggie's or not is another one, I guess. Yeah, like I I think Reggie's has a good Blissey matchup, but like also like for Avery, um, you can just ignore the Reggie player enough. I think I don't know. <laughs> um, but regardless, I think that'll temper some stuff because Reggie's will be more popular. IRL and if you go through a tournament and you like you hit one Reggie's it's that sort of thing. I uh selfishly don't worry about it. Blissey Miltank's <laughs> not 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 that much of a not that much of a problem. Go ahead and just don't don't put any text in there for, for Blissey Miltank. Um but in the real talk, I don't think it's a it's a good deck. I don't think it's a deck that you should go head over heels with trying to counter. Like you shouldn't be sitting there with like a pen and pad, being like, "All right, how can I fit three Empoleon and four canceling Cologne in my deck uh, so that I don't lose to to like one mill tank rampaging through me?" Like, no, you don't have to go crazy with it. Just like be aware of it. Maybe have like one out for like one mill tank or two or something. Um, but I don't think you got to go overly crazy about countering Blissey Mill Tank because. Odds are you'll probably play one in day one, maybe two. Uh, you're not going to hit like a, a, a billion mill tanks like you will like Comfies or, or something. So, so do you agree with that general sentiment towards Blissey Mill Tank? Yeah, I think so. That's 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 a pretty fair. You you'll probably face like one, maybe two. But I feel like at least like it just should be at least in the back of your mind deck like, if you're gonna play something and. It'll be something that I would not accept as an auto loss. I would at least try to find some way to like beat it. But I wouldn't go like crazy, like 
Alex mentioned. Yeah, to give an idea of where my thoughts would be. So there's a few decks I would be considering for Salt Lake if I could go. One is Kiram, where my outs to Blizz uh, Mill Tanker. Empoleon, pray I have a bump to Path of the Peak. It's not very good, right? Another one is Hisui and Zoroark, where I think Blissey Miltank would be so little played that I'm like, I have an Eldegoss loop where I can go infinite and maybe force a tie, if not deck them out. And so that would be the... It's Eldegoss, Sharon's Care. They can never Oko Azor. You're, you're able to constantly go in and out, right? So it's like, I wouldn't probably not win the matchup in 50 minutes, and I may not win the matchup at all, but it's like, it's good enough that I'd be content with it so zorark players play an eldegoss if you play sharon's care it's all it's also just broken that's eldegoss for sharon's care makes that deck so much better but anyway and then the other one would be omnipokes uh lost zone box with mirage gate which plays an ice cue which is just auto wins that matchup which is super fun but yeah that's kind of where i'm at where it's like two of the choices i have have mediocre answers but they exist in that i could probably pull off a game Again, someone who doesn't know what they're doing, someone who overbenches potentially, and it's like, oh, how does Blissey Mill take overbench? I, it happens more than you'd expect. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to bench a Blissey to threaten something, and you're like, well, now you lose the game, right? So, yeah, there's a lot there. And Alex, you look like you want to add something to it. it it's, on the, it's on the tier of, uh, if you want like a nice little, mm -hmm. like, this is what you should do, go out and play a best two out of three against it with the deck you are currently trying to bring to SLC that's the level of like concern you should have for the deck is like play against it and be like okay i know what i'm what my game plan is but yeah yeah and that's one of the best pieces of advice that i could always go for anything is like these rogue decks don't tech without testing the matchup without techs because sometimes if you just know how to play the matchup it ends up being better and sometimes you need the techs and then you know okay this is actually worth the slot right that's always a big deal because Knowing Reggie's, sometimes you don't need Reggie text. Palkia doesn't need Reggie text necessarily. I guess Gift Energy might have changed that now, but doesn't need Reggie text if you just know what you're doing. That's always a big deal there. All right. So another thing that I think I wanted to get to is your opponent flips over a Comfy. This is something I always, always, always want to ask. Opponent flips over Comfy. You're going first. What are you expecting them to have in their deck? So you're, whether it's round one or round nine, winning into day two, maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. Are you expecting Giratina? Are you expecting towards exact 60 or maybe 58 of towards list? Are you expecting something similar to what Jeremy Gibson won the late night with? That is the baby Mirage Gate engine. Or like, are you expecting something completely off the wall where you're like, I'm still going to be wary that my opponent might pull out an amazing rare Kyogre or an amazing rare Raikou? Like your opponent flips over a Comfy. What are your first initial thoughts? So, so can you start us off with that one? Opponent flips over Comfy. What are the first things you're assuming it is? Well, for sure, I'm trying to get another Pokemon down if I start out with one, because I'm not trying to get Don. But, <laughs> um, ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, I would just assume it's just going to be like either Tina or just like the Taurus Law Zone. That's what at least what my expectation is. Um, I think once I see it and... But at least, like, for me, probably more, more majority of the time is just, like, once I see the Comfies, I'm just trying to get more Pokemon down because most of the time they just bring out a cram and then they just start dropping the things a little bit a little bit during the game. But at least Tina would be, like, my first expectation. Okay, so you're saying it's probably going to be Tina, but 
I think we can't ignore the I'm going to bench something else so I don't get donked. On the Peoria meta discussion, Ahmed Ali did a really good job going into the details of why you need to play around escape rope. And Sosa is definitely just co-signing that right there. So if you're still not playing around escape rope, uh, do that. And if you're not playing around Cramorant, do that too. All right, Alex, opponent flips over a comb fee. What are the first things you're expecting? Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting I'm expecting Tina or Tina more often than not. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mental into those games is like, I'm not going to figure it out by turn three. And because those lists are so different and have so much stuff in them, like just I personally just like I'm just like, eh, whatever, like I'll figure it out. Um, Like, I, I hope to see a Radiant Ninja soon. Like, if I don't see a Radiant Ninja in the first like four turns, I'm like, okay, it might be Zard. Um, and there's just so much different stuff. Like even, uh, like you said, Jeremy's list is like different than a lot of other stuff we've seen so far too. Uh, side note, love the two Snorlax in there. Like, wow. Uh, it's, it's so awful. good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I talked about it last time I was, one of the last times I was on or something with someone where it was like, I was playing Lost in Box against that, like with the, the double Sableye version. Um, it was against Kobe at one of the locals. And he just puts two Snorlax down. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just lose. I, I um, stole that from you completely because I tested double Snorlax in Giratina for a little bit because I'm like, oh, does this auto win that matchup? And for Giratina, it's a little more awkward than it is for the baby version. But yeah, the double Snorlax yeah. is nuts. Oh, it's insane. So anyway, um, my mental is just like, can I take two early prizes? Because generally speaking, no matter what deck you're playing, if you can get like one or two comfies early or one or one company in a cram early, you have a much better shot because once that game, once that deck gets into about like 20, 15 cards left in their deck, they're probably going to win um, just because that's their setup. Their setup is just get rid of their deck. <laughs> so, and if they can do that, they're probably going to win. So my mental is just like, I need two prizes in the early game. How can I just like sell out for those two prizes and then figure out the last four um, as the game goes on? Because um, if it is the Tina version, they'll bench a Tina at some point. And you're like, sweet, cool. There's two prizes. Um, generally, I don't know. That's me. Me no, that's... assuming I'm always gonna knock out the Tina. Whatever, whatever yeah, comes down. Blissy can constantly hit two twenty. That's that's never gonna be an issue. <laughs> I mean, we'll be fine by then. But I mean, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm never, I'm never worried about my Blissey getting donged by a Cramorant. So I want to. That's true. Well, you also, to be fair, you only have to worry about Tina if you're playing Blissey, because if they're playing Towards List, it's really hard for you to lose that matchup. You can, but it's really hard for you yeah. to lose it. So again, I just like don't care. Like if they turn over a Comfy, I'm expecting a billion different things. So I'm just gonna be like, Meh. like I'll find out when I find out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so you're going with that one too. You're like, ah, uh, yeah. I know they yeah, have like, like at least, yeah, just like do not get donked. That's my first thought. <laughs> eventually, they're gonna pop out with the different things. Okay, so you're like, I will be reactive instead of try and be proactive. And you think that's a valid strategy mm-hmm. to beat Lost Zone? Yeah, interesting. I like that. You'll get information, and then game two, you'll play accordingly. Like. Yep. Ah, so the best of three strategy, something that we never like really talk about. So are you fine playing out that game one against such a slow deck? Lost Zone deck, Lost Zone box is incredibly slow. Are you fine playing out a slow game one in order to get those game two and three 
wins because you now have the knowledge. Because, I mean, we saw on stream, and Tord does a great job of playing to the clock, but we saw his games take incredibly long. These were 30-plus-minute game ones with that deck. So is that a valid strategy into Lost Zone Box? Obviously, it isn't something like a Mew or etc. But are you fine taking that longer game one to get that information to win games two and three? And Alex is currently thinking so. So, so what do you think about that strategy into something slow like Lost Zone? Uh, so at least I got a little bit of experience of playing. So I played like this case tournament the other day. Mm -hmm. And I got a little, a little experience with like, you know, with the timing and stuff like that. And I played Gudra. And I realized with against Comfy, like that kind of style for playing thirty minutes and trying to finish another series is impossible. But I'm pretty sure if I play like something like Palkia, Dalga, or something along those lines, I'm pretty sure I'll be fine taking those thirty minutes just because I'm a fast player. Okay, so it depends on your deck choice. Mm -hmm. I think it's deck choice, and also if I just see Lost Zone, I just have to already be mentally prepared. It's like okay, I have to play fast and run control the time because if I play my normal speed and I'm letting them do their normal thing, then I'm pretty sure most of the time I'm not going to finish three games. That makes sense. Alex, are you in agreement with that? Yeah, I think that's accurate. It's I, it supposed to hit on the nail. It depends on what you're playing. Um, and it depends on if you're decent at controlling your own speed. Um, and that sort of thing comes a lot from like experience and preparation. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm always fine playing a long game one. I'm I'm a sable eye player. <laughs> I I know what it's like. So I'll yeah. I, I wish I had some like solid advice for people that like got into this game during the pandemic and like this is their first big regionals and everything, like like hey, what do I do? Um it you'll 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 play the matchup accordingly and if it's a if it's a long game one and you lose a 40 minute game i hope you donk them and take a tie out of it yeah it's i don't think we've seen an engine quite this slow people always complain about how slow the inteleon engine was which to be fair yes it was uh anyone who listened to our episode with cal connor about his world's run knows that inteleon mirrors are ridiculously painful but the loss zone mirrors are somehow even longer which like you said, I don't think there's any real advice except you have to play the deck in paper. Because I played on PTCGO. It's, I, and I know as I'm doing it that this is just so different in terms mm -hmm. of how long stuff takes. So, so, so you mentioned the next deck that I want to talk about. So I did the day two conversion rates in a different YouTube video, which, like I said, everyone should go watch. It's very good. But Blissey Mill Tank was one of the highest. We got to that one. The highest day two conversion rate at Peoria Regionals with almost 33%, one out of every three people who brought this deck made day two. And that was, of course, the juggernaut Arceus Gudra. Is this going to be a deck that sees an increased amount of play? Palkia got second. Pretty good matchup. Maybe not an auto win, but a pretty good matchup. And Lost Box with no real answers for a goo guy got first. Mm -hmm. And it was the most successful deck from day one to day two at the largest regional ever. Are we expecting people to pick up Arceus Gudra more now, given all of those things? And so, so you've played the Gudra. Do you think it's going to see more play or was that a flash in the pan situation? No. 
think it was a flash in the pan. Um, is the only concern that I have with Guja is that time, like time, as a person that plays Guja for almost like a week and a half now, like time was always an issue, and I was playing like the straight up Guja version more with than the RCS one. Comfies and Mirage Gate. Well, I didn't play with the Comfies, but I mean, um, I played with like Snorlax. <laughs> yeah, like I. I did more Gormanize than I did with Comfy. Uh, yeah, rough sketches, but <laughs> but uh, with the Arceus and Gudra, I think it's a lot more faster in terms of time, and I think Gudra is just a respectable card where it just beats those small things. Uh, I think I don't think it's a deck that will win a tournament, but I think it's a deck that will get you points if you pilot correctly and you are very well prepared. Alex, thoughts on Gudra? I, th- I'll, I think the the question of Arceus Gudra needs to be put into like two different categories because like you like on one hand you have different Gudra builds mm-hmm. right the uh, what whatever concoction the the non the the, the vivid bolt and Snorlax thing well I want to ask so some more about that later but <laughs> like uh. For what it's worth, before you get into it, uh, Lost Zone Gudra was over 21 in day two conversions. So almost the same amount played of Arceus and Lost Zone. 10 out of 31 for Arceus, 0 out of 21 for Lost Zone. Anyway, go for yeah, it. I, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Arceus Gudra is the way to play it. I mean, you can just see that like online, online results will tell you that, mm-hmm. that Arceus Gudra is far and above better than just like Lost Zone Gudra. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gudra falls into the category of like polarizing matchups. Like you're either like going into a matchup that's like super super good, or you're going into a matchup that's like eh, not so great. It's not one of those decks that has like fifty fifties across the board. It has like seventy thirties across the board in either direction. Um, that's just my feeling on it. I don't know if I'm I'm probably wrong, but that's just how I feel about the deck. And so. If you hit more of those 70-30s, yes, of course, your conversion rate's going to be a lot higher. Um, and so it depends on how the meta shakes out and all this other stuff. Um, it's it's a deck where, like, I just, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on Gudra itself. It's a good card, don't get me wrong. I'm just not, like, in love with it. Um, but on the other side of the coin, I think it just falls in the category of Arceus something. I don't think we have to talk about it as like a Gudra thing. Mm-hmm. I think you have to talk about it as like an Arceus thing. Because like decks like Mew and Palkia are going to play Echoing Horn to hopefully just do the same strategy they did against Arceus Duraludon, which was just take three Arceuses and not worry about the Duraludon. It's going to be like the same exact kind of thing. So I don't think of it as a Gudra deck. You think of it as an Arceus deck. And Arceus is in like just this weird spot right now where it's like still solid, just not being played a lot. Like, it's, I think it's going to slot into that, like, it'll have a 50-50 win rate in any tournament you play, no matter what you're pairing it with. And right now, there's, like, what, four or five popular RCS variants. So, mm-hmm. that's, that's I I guess I'm not, I don't want to talk about Gudra, I want to talk about RCS when someone's like, hey, what are your thoughts about RCS Gudra? I'm like, yeah, Starbirth is really good. <laughs> See, I would actually disagree on this. Well, not Starbirth being good. I would agree on that. Starbirth is really good. But... The, there's just such a massive difference between so i've put a little bit of time into arceus giratina for the team even though they're never going to listen to my advice anyway and it just plays so differently than art gudra and i put a tweet out you know when i very first saw the data and i was like wait this deck was incredibly successful i would be testing it and i did test it and 
like I said, so so you might disagree on this one, but it feels like it is a deck that takes 70 30s across the board. <laughs> like you can win your bad matchups and you can lose your good matchups, but in realist realistically, there's there's not many 50-50s going on. So mm-hmm. okay, so you are in agreement with that. It's like it's pretty yeah, polarizing. Yeah, yeah. like like it's uh like it, there's some game matches where it's just like you know you're gonna freaking win, but <laughs> um but that's the only concern with Gudra is just time. That's the reason why I stopped playing it. Like I thought it's a really good card and I still think it has really high potential, but it's just time. It just doesn't kill things and you just take a while to get going. Which is fair, and that's one of the reasons why Sack, who we've had on the pod multiple times, he made day two is eight one in Peoria in day one with Arc Dura. And one of the reasons for Dura, his own li- his list was cute. I'm a big fan of it. No, I'm not. I still hate the list. Then he tweeted that out and it was what but one of the reasons he chose Dura and one of the reasons I thought Dura was better as well in agreement is hitting for two twenty is infinitely better than two hundred. And so you you have a good point on the Guja where you're you're two, you trade two shots with everything, and that's not good necessarily alex is raising his hand like a good student i wanted i wanted to know about the the vivid voltage snorlax gudra list if you want to say anything <laughs> wait before before we get into the vivid voltage gudra list i want to mention the arc giratina of why alex was wrong so they're very different decks Arc gudra takes those like everything is either favored or unfavored arc is giratina is marnie path the deck and because of that, every matchup is a 50-50. <laughs> you path, you Marnie, and if they draw out of it, you Marnie, and if they draw out of it, you play another path and you Marnie. And so they're entirely different decks. Art Gudra, polarizing matchups into the right meta, I think it's very good. I think I agree with Sosa. It's probably not going to win a regional, but it can do very well. Arctina, same thing. It's, it's so- probably not going to win a regional, but ooh, everything's a 50-50. What, I, what I'll say is, I, I I think the 7030s is not all Arceus decks, that's Arceus Gudra and all <laughs> Gudra lists. I think the way you play against anything with an Arceus can sometimes feel the same, because some of the times it's just take three Arceuses. Even with Tina. Like, sometimes you might take a, a Tina, or something like that, but like, generally speaking, like, I'm playing against Arceus almost the same way I'm playing against every Arceus build. Okay. So I think that's what I mean to say. So okay, I get I get your point then. You're it's less of a it's like yeah, which is so interesting to think about. Arceus is now a liability at a squishy 280 HP and 220 for a V. <laughs> just like everything in those decks just has like like your magic number is so locked into 280 with mm-hmm. Arceus decks that like you always play against them the same way, for more or less. No, I like, I, sure. I, I like nuance difference. Yeah, no, that's fair because Sharon's care is coming out of the decks too. That you also don't get punished by any of them if you whiff a KO, and I think that's also an important why all the Arceus decks feel the same. Like Arcantel is technically a deck we're not really going to talk about it unless either of you two wanted to, but nothing plays Sharon's care, and without that, every Arceus deck is still just okay. If you two eighty, you KO, and if I don't hit the KO, you can't punish me. You can't buy an extra turn, you know, stuff like that. Which is a, a pretty big deal. So I actually think uh, Sosa had to go be a dad for a second. So we'll get we'll get to the the Gormandai Snorlax here. Oh my god! I know. Can you believe that? I don't know what you what you charged up with, but oh, probably just Melanie. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just two turns. That's Run, way less exciting. Run an EXP share. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's I, less exciting. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're just unexcited by everything in this format. I am. I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying over here. I've. I've. In the last 48 hours, I've played a lot of Pokemon. I finally like had some time. That seems I've great. Been up till 3 a.m. I'm so jealous. I mean, Pokemon's literally my life. So that sounds great. <laughs> it's fun until like I haven't slept in my own bed in four days. <laughs> I've been at the shop a lot these last four days. Shout out to Tabletop Village, but. Yeah. Let's talk about a deck that I'm pretty sure you have put some time in. At the very least, I know your testing group has. Regigigas. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Regigigas moving forward? Yeah, you'll have to ask my group about it. I think Regis is... It, I think... I mean, yeah, it's a solid deck. It's one of those things that, like... The, the reason it's solid is because of the meta. Um, I don't... Yes, Gift Energy is, like, really good for the deck. I don't think it made it far and above busted. I think it was already kind of on people's radar after um, Maze did well with it at Worlds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was already, like, people were like, oh, maybe it is a good deck now. Um, you know, I think that's I think that's how people... People generally, like, go, oh, cool, it had one result. It's a good deck now. And I'm like... I'm going to be I honest, think... I'm kind of in that camp of like, this thing's a meme, this thing's a meme. And part of that is Cal Connor going 5-0 at a regional into 5-4 and talking me down on the deck. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people, I'll say, after seeing Tablemon do so well with it, I'm like, okay, this is a good deck. It's a, it's a deck that can't get a lot of new tricks. Sure, like people were talking about Thornton Radiant's are in it for a little bit of time. I see still, still people playing like an evil toll in there as like a as a cool little thing. Um, Gift Energy was a nice inclusion, but it, there there's the nature of the deck is that it's not going to change much no matter what comes out. Mm -hmm. The only thing that actually changes is the meta around it, and right now the meta around it is pretty good. So I I think because of that, it's still gonna do the thing. It's still gonna do the thing it's supposed to do. Um, and it always will. Um, just the meta kind of adjusted appropriately. Mm -hmm. so, 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 what are your thoughts on Reggie Gigas for Salt Lake City? Uh, that's one of the few decks I have not tried, but um, I mean, it seems pretty no good. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know too much about, don't know too much about Reggie's, but I, from what it sounds, it sounds really good. And seeing Drew doing well with it for the last two regionals makes me believe that it's still a strong deck regardless of how the meta looks but are you afraid to play again, against reggie's if you haven't played it uh at least i played against it uh, i feel pretty confident for whichever deck choice i choose but yeah as a deck itself i have no idea that's my two cents <laughs> I think it falls into the Blissey Mill Tank thing of like test against it. Don't go crazy. Don't put four Avery and four Clap Stadium in your deck. Yeah, it's if you know how to play the matchup, a lot of decks it becomes it goes from unfavored to favored for a lot of people without techs if you just know what you're doing. To that point, I think a a, a lot of people, at least in my close proximity of the shop, have been saying like, "Hey." Uh, this meta feels super, super open. Like, there's a lot of decks. That's really big. I think in a more wide open meta, generally speaking, and the same goes for, like, when, like, Expander was a thing and, like, the meta was super big, uh, the thing that will differentiate you is your preparation more so than your deck choice. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, like, in a smaller meta, the deck choice matters more because there are l much little more matchups 
right? So it's like, okay, how can I build my deck to beat the four decks in the meta? That's where your deck building comes in. But in a big thing, now it's just preparation because you're going to, you might hit nine different decks. And so the thing that's really going to set you above is knowing, going into it, once they turn over a card, you're like, okay, I know how to win this matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is, again, I tweeted this out because I don't know, I don't realize Twitter's not monetized and I give some of my best content out on there, but it was the idea of the matchups are so close in this meta and the game is still so fast. Like the games feel good, but it's still so freaking fast. You cannot risk throwing away a game you would have won because you're going to lose games just due to your draws. Sometimes you're going to lose games just because your opponent had everything and won the coin flip. And so you have to be prepared and you have to win the games you're going to win. Because if you throw away a single game, that's absolutely massive in this current meta. Because originally, you know, other formats, you can get away with some stuff, right? You can just ADP some people and make some misplays and you'll be fine. Not so much a thing currently. Now, now granted, now granted, we're speaking to everybody not playing Mew Genesect, but (laughs) like. What? Let's. You can make mistakes with that deck. Let's jump into the Mew. Mew missed top cut at the last regional, despite a pretty good showing as one of the most popular decks, quite a few in day two, and one of the best testing groups, that like little Ohio-y testing group, you know, Mahone, JW, Riley, etc., all played Mew and did pretty well with it. But there were none in top cut. Do we expect any Mew in top cut? Alex, you're shaking your head yes? Yeah, I think it's still a good deck. Mm-hmm. Um, a very, very against my personality. I've been testing it. <laughs> um, it's it's believe it or not, it's in one of my considerations. So I, I, I think the DTE version is uh, open for some cute little things that might surprise some people. So uh, I, I would, I, I, mean, I would expect to play against some Muse. Don't go crazy and put four Duraladons, or not Duraladons, uh, Drapions in your deck, but like, know how to play against the matchup. Sosa, what do you think? Are we going to see Mew and Top Cut? I've ever said in my life, of course. Uh, I'm over here just being like, play, play test, nerds, and you'll be fine. Like, the entire podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's no good advice. <laughs> Sosa, do we expect Mew in Top Cut? And on that point, are you afraid of Mew? Are you worried about Mew? Are you teching four Drapions against what Alex just suggested? Uh, so I think at least one will make it. Uh, I think Muse is still just a strong deck. It could, it's like one of the decks I just respect the most, just because it just it can beat anything. It can literally just do its thing, set up, and it can literally beat anything. And that's just what I always have to respect it. Um, do I think it's going to be in high numbers? Uh, possibly, because Salt Lake City last year, uh, last year during March, there was a decent amount of them. I don't know if you remember that, Kevin. Oh no, I uh, remember. I played against like three in day two. So, I, I mean, I, like, I, I didn't play against eight out of nine. <laughs> by the way, so that's why I think it's like I think the area is like very Mew heavy. So I'm just gonna expect at least to face at least two Mews. I mean, I've been facing two Mews every single tournament that I participated in, and um, yeah, uh, it's for sure. I have standards, so I don't play that kind of deck. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I I respect it, and I think it's at least be like one, maybe two. Alex, how do you feel about being called out like that? 
I, I, I warranted because I, I have been trashing on the deck for the last year. I'm like, you will never catch me dead playing Mew. And like, <laughs> literally before the podcast, I played two games with it because I'm just like, oh, maybe. Like, <laughs> it's bad. Like, it's... Let, what basically what happened was last night at about 1 a.m., someone's like, oh, I need testing against Mew. And I was like, I'll play it. And then I just like dumped on everybody for two hours. And I was like, oh my God, like, am I a Mew player? Like, yeah, but you... my realization. You might be. You will be the only person that has both Sableye and Mew on your Limitless am, page. Am I the villain? <laughs> so Please you did. Sosa also mentioned something that I wanted to bring up because you're both West Coasters and have been on the West Coast for tournaments for a while. It mm -hmm. sounds stupid, but it feels like the West Coast meta is slightly different than the Midwest and East Coast meta. And one of the reasons I've always seen that is there's always more stall or tank decks or things like that. And that's my own reading of the West Coast meta, specifically California regionals, I guess. But California mm -hmm. loves their grout on. Yes. Yep. <laughs> are there things that you think are potentially going to be specific to Salt Lake City being mostly a West Coast regional that people who are flying in or played in Peoria or stuff like that should consider? Where it's like, I think more people are going to play this because this is what tends to happen over here. Or do you think Peoria and the online tournaments are a fair like read of the biggest meta? I don't know if either. So, Go for it. Oh, okay. Uh, so for, at least for me, for West Coast, like I always take, you know, my preparation for a tournament from the online and from what happens in the East Coast kind of thing, but. It's never the case in a West Coast tournament, and this has happened for a decade now, where it's just like, it could literally be, for a perfect example, it's like Dong Fan from 2015 was a thing in the East Coast, but the second it hits in the West Coast, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so uh, that's just always just been a weird thing about the West Coast. It's just we always have some weird ideas that just doesn't make sense. So we're, like, we're big on the Groudons for some apparent reason, where... Uh, big on Mew, even though Mew is not that big in the East Coast kind of thing. It's just, you you have to expect a random meta when you come to the West Coast. But at least have the online and the East Coast as a template of, okay, I should be able to beat this, but don't be surprised if you face like six blitzies for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't understand the phenomenon. It's not, it's not like we love one archetype over the other, or we love or are all the same kind of players but like whatever reason that ends up happening where one archetype is just everyone has this hive mind and the 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 x number of miles between southern california and the pacific northwest is a lot but we're all drinking the same water apparently <laughs> i mean it never fails right like groudon was one of the examples you used Malamar is one of the ones kind of like the Donvan, I guess, where you could go to any West Coast regional and it felt like you never hit Malamars versus the East Coast. It seemed like it was always the most played deck. Uh, I remember Santa Clara regionals. I didn't play a Vile Plume out, the Burning Shadows Vile Plume, because it hadn't been showing up in any other tournaments. And I hit like four or five in day one. And those weren't the only ones in the tournament, right? So it's always it feels like there is something weird. So thank you for the insight, because I don't know what it is. Sounds like you don't either. I thought it was I thought it was so special the the one tournament I played Grout on. I was just like, oh man, we got we have we have the solution. We're gonna go down to Southern California and play Grout on the three of us. And like, <laughs> <didn't even> 
Like, and everyone was playing Groudon. I was like, what is this? Like, we didn't move up. Last question that I do always like to ask is, what is the safest play for points? So this is the person who's like, I'm just going to grind regionals because there's no locals. I want my 500 and chill. Don't care about day two necessarily. Obviously, that's more points, so consider it. But they don't care about winning. They don't care about that. They just want some CP from this tournament. What deck would you recommend? Don't say the best deck that they're playing, right? Like they're good at everything. They're not great at anything. What is the play for CP? Alex, start us off. I, so my mentality going into any tournament is always just make day two because anything can happen in day two. The, the meta is smaller, more focused. You never really can like predict the specific day two meta. So it's like, my goal is always make day two. My goal is never to win the tournament or top eight or anything like that. So I think I fall into the camp of like, just grind regionals and go because if that's your mental, then great. Um, and my mental right now is on Blissey Mill Tank and I, I guess Mew as of like last night at 2 a.m. Um, so, like, because those, those two things have a lot of really good 50 50 matchups. Um, they don't take a lot of brain power. Sorry to all those mains. Um, and they're not something that people are going to like heavily tech against, right? Whereas, like, stuff like Last Box, people are going to be like, okay, cool, I need to figure out like an out for this. Or um, Kiram Palkia, people are like, okay, cool, I know my game plan going into the most played deck. Um, so it's stuff that people are going to prepare less for, people are going to tech less for. Granted, I don't know if Muse the case because of Drapion, but that's the reason. Um, I would say as like a third outlier, the thing we haven't talked about, Hasui and Zorark, is like another thing because it feels very similar to like the night march of the format where you're like i just want to hit my dtes and just blow things up um so zorark might also be the thing if you just like want to turn your brain off and just take a knockout every turn and hope you win i played some zorark the other day just as an aside it feels like it is a lot harder to play than the other aggro decks in the format like i'm not saying mew is necessarily easy to play there's a lot of sequencing and stuff but i was a amazed at how many decisions with zoroark because of how aggro you are and how fast you discard and everything and how punished you get from small misplays so like i said i don't think it's big brain the deck but actually i think there's actually a lot more choices in there than i was expecting like a lot more sosa what is your safe play for cp or maybe not yours but like your recommended safe play for cp usually it's like uh like, I would definitely not recommend people play Zorak as a safe play. Like, I literally have a stroke playing with that deck, and, like, it's a deck that I do not want to play at all. But if you want to play safe, I think, and you prepare, and you're comfortable, I still think Mew is the perfect safe play, because it can literally beat anything. It can literally just draw cards, hit hard, and you just win. Even if they play Drapion, you can still win that matchup. I lost multiple times playing with Drapion. If they play two or three, then... It is what it is. That's one round. You still have to win six of them, seven of them, just to get points. So I think Mew is the safest if you're trying to get points. What I think I said this on the last pod, too, but I have to say it again because Mew players, this is important. So Lost City of the Drapion is cool, but you know what else is cool? Your opponent using their Drapion on turn two without an established board and then going Roxanne path and just running through them for the rest of the game until they bench out usually because they have nothing set up. So just be aware, Drapion players, 
establish a board just in case they're going to Roxanne path you and new players. If they don't, you punish and you just win. And that Drapion became a terrible decision for them. Mm-hmm. I think. And so I was always giving people Arc Dura in the pre-Worlds formats as safe CP, and it worked pretty well. Now, these are people who didn't have a ton of time to play tests and stuff like that. So I think I'm catering towards that audience more. If you haven't played a ton in this format and you're like, oh, I'm going to start grinding now, I think Arc Gudra is a legitimately solid option. Now, I don't not entirely sure if it's as safe as i thought it was before because blissey mill tank is getting hype and you don't have a mill tank out and that's just another bad matchup and another bad matchup is bad you don't want more of them you want less of them right so i think art gudra is a pretty good safe play for anyone out there maybe you're a poke parent who's like oh i want something to do while my kid's busy and i want to do well because i like winning i respect that i like winning too Art Gudra is a good, a good choice for that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they exist, right? Like you meet Poke parents all the time at regionals. They are some of the most try hard people in the game. Poke parents yeah. hate losing most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Art Gudra is the choice for that one for sure. Or a lot of people. I like the deck personally, but that's my suggestion on that one. All right. Other last second Salt Lake City thoughts that maybe we didn't mention. You're like, oh, this is pretty relevant or just general tournament advice because you are both incredibly successful players in your own way. So so you've won 86 regionals. Alex, you've played many tournaments. Yes. (laughs) So Alex, start us off. Any last second Salt Lake City thoughts? Well, I mean, I mean, how long we got? Because because we haven't even gotten to the the section on your notes there that say like fun, interesting ideas. Oh no! Like, because I'm curious. I mean, I always I always got something. Um, but one, I I mean, I got I got a lot. I got a lot of things. Um, I don't know how popular uh, Olinia is. How popular is Olinia? I there you go. Okay, cool. That answers my question. Because <laughs> like, like, what does Alenia do? Um, I don't know whose idea was around here, like in this in this very room. But when I picked up the Mew deck last night to play at two a.m., uh, there was an Alenia in there. Shout out to Ray and for I that one. Like, Who's probably going to be mad you leaked? <laughs> what, what, what oh, is, is it Ray? Yeah, it's Ray's. Oh, okay. I thought it was Polaris's, and I was like, I'll leak that left and right. <laughs> Polaris has good ideas, though. I do. I have to give a shout out to Polaris again for the Drapion in Mew for the mirror that I said was incredibly stupid. <laughs> it's actually really good. It is. Um, okay. Well, I hope Ray doesn't get mad at me now because I thought it was Polaris's idea, but whatever. Um, uh, the other idea, I, this I have permission to to talk about. Um, take take two seconds of your brain. Leafy on VMAX. It did top cut one of the online tournaments recently. I was watching Omnipoke's video where he literally just clicks on tournaments and gives his first impressions on lists and his first impression on <laughs> Leafy on VMAX. Or what I assume Sosa is thinking right now when he hears that suggestion. What did he say? What did he say? I haven't watched it. I usually watch that when I'm like sorting, but. Oh, he's like, this is definitely a deck you can play. And I guess that it beats up on some two prizers. So that's that's Leafeon. So like, Kieran's got three retreat, True. right? Mm-hmm. So with the choice band, you hit three thirty on it with Galar Mine. Like, wait, 
330? Yeah. Because it's yeah. 60 plus Galar Mine, so it's 300 plus Choice Bands 330. Oh no. Did you just talk so sudden to playing Leaf? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie. Like, I was literally. Because I've been. This is like the first format where I'm just like trying a lot of things. So that way, you know, I don't play weird. I just want to play meta just to, you know, try at least try to get more than just points. I'm trying to go for the W. Yeah. Uh, but I also. Me being stubborn, I like to be weird and like have that surprise factor. And I've been looking at Leafeon like multiple times. Now, not the V Max, but the one that puts the energy on a Pokemon. I'm just thinking, it's like, man, this, this, I think this is still good. I just don't know for what, but I think it's good for something. And I think, I think that just kind of pushed me over the edge. And then just like, oh, I one shot. Test it because like the math also works out pretty well for the 280 mark. Because most of the 280s have two retreats, so Gallarmine puts you at a 240, Choice Band 270. You're a Goon Ping or Inteleon Ping away from knocking that out. And nothing um, heals, so you can also play around Roxanne with it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. You you have, uh, if you play the V-Star, you have this, and this is something we talked at length about last night, where, like, let's say you start Leafeon, uh, attach Greening Cells. You have two energy on a Leafeon, you're turn one, right? They do their thing. Turn two... You evolve into the V-Star, attach, right? You hit for 180 for three energies. Uh, choice Band's 210, Goon Ping is 220, and you have a built-in boss. So if they only get, like, one Palkia down, one Arceus down, and they attach, or something like that, and they're not in the active, it's not unrealistic to be like, cool, here's my V-Star ability 220, and your setup is just donezo now if they didn't get a second 220 V down. So, like... That is a little bit more high roll, but like the four cards you need, right? The turn one, all you need is Leafy on attach. That's it. Turn two, you need V Star, Choice Band, attach, uh, and then a way for Goon. So that's two searching outs, an energy, and then a way to get the Choice Band. Not super hard if you're playing it with the Inteleon package, like I assume most people are, because then like that's an era that gets you like halfway there, and you're probably going to have an energy in your hand and maybe a search card in your hand because you're playing a billion search. So, like, it's really not unrealistic to hit that turn two and take out the 220. I I hate your ability to sell people on bad decks. It's my superpower. My superpower <laughs> is to convince people that bad decks are good. Okay. So, and he so picked the right the kind of guy. So this is the kind of guy that I can manipulate into doing it. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like, you commit, that's some good detail stuff. Now... Now I'm gonna be done as hell, and then I'm going on a computer and trying to play this. No, granted, granted, we played a handful of games with it last night. We didn't really go overboard uh, with the ideas um, or the matchups or anything like that because I'm sure there's some bad ones. But like in theory, it's not bad. We played the one matchup he was worried about was Mew, obviously because of your feet. But homie yeah. played two Drapion in there. It was just like, yeah, I'm throw, just throw two Drapion in there, and I was just like, what is happening? Um, so like. Turn two of the game in one of our games, he just like benched both Drapions and went past, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. <laughs> um, oh gosh. So, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I think if you get the build right, it's not bad. Granted, like, it's very high rolly. Like, you, I don't know what you do against like Reggie's, I don't know what you do like against a rampaging Radiant Zard. Um, I think Reggie's would potentially be beatable. Like, because you have an attack that heals you and KOs them, right? So your only thing you're afraid of is the Regice. 
Or the Regigigas that's smacking your VMAX. Oh, yeah, never mind. You, are, you, you lose that one, GG's. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that shots everything in your deck. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's bad. Now, granted, I don't know how they deal with the V-Star that well, because you're hitting from 180, reducing by 30, and they don't have anything that can do significant damage, so it's like a Regice angle. Um, and you can always Aqua Bullet their Lecky if you're going to add a Water Energy, which you probably should add a Water Energy, because Inteleon's good. Yeah. They, the, the, the list that was played last night played a Raihan on a Water Energy, because like you're still Inteleon at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay, so before we get too into the Leafeon rabbit hole, that is your Salt Lake City advice. <laughs> Test Leafeon. <laughs> you got other cool ideas. But so, so. That's my choice. Last second Salt Lake City advice. <laughs> For sure, I'm going to hit up Alex right now. Hey, yo. <laughs> Give me more detail on Leafeon. I idea. always have ideas. Um, so, for my big advice, and it's not like, so obviously prepare. Bring something you're very comfortable with, even though that's very cliche. But bring something that you're very comfortable with, and then have that mindset that you're going to play nine rounds. And whatever your goal is, is whatever your goal is. But the mindset, the 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 advice that I give that I still use to this day for, say, for example, if you're two two one two and you're already starting to think negative, that's like, oh, this might not be it. This might be a one three drop. Always have that mindset. It's like, okay, this is my winning end one round at a time and eventually you're going to climb up this little ladder and obviously if you lose at the end it's going to be heartbreaking that's happened to me twice already but it's that mindset it's like okay i'm not out yet i'm gonna win it in and i said i do this five times so always tell yourself there's still a chance there's still a chance just play one round at a time don't think of i need five wins to make into day two just think of i need one and then win two games to go to the next one and do it again yeah that's good advice I think that's a that's a good place to uh, leave it at. So, Sosa, if the people want to find out more from you, where can they find you or any shout outs you have? Uh, let's see. So uh, if you want to follow me in my nonsense of Twitters, uh, follow me on Twitter on at Dirty Sosa underscore PC. Oh, wait, dirty underscore Sosa PC. And then uh, shout out to my team. I got game uh, little group out in SoCal that we're starting to farm. And uh, shout out to you guys for inviting me to finally be on the Lake of Rage. I can't <laughs> wait to pack up my bags and retire after listening to this on Spotify. And after you win Salt Lake City with Leafy on. Yes. <laughs> Alex, where can the people find you if they want more of you and any shout outs you have? Uh, Spokane Pokemon is my Twitter handle. I never post there. But if you want, if you want fun ideas, hit me up. Um, uh, shout out to Tabletop village uh the place where i work live and everything uh shout out to sosa i'm so stoked to get to like do one of these with him i've always in my career really uh teardrop i really respected the hell out of this guy um back when i was living in spokane i was just like a wee like learning player every single time it was just like like today people have the mental of like oh what's toward playing like back then i was like oh what's sosa playing so I never. I don't think I ever told Sosa that. So, like, thank I really you. Appreciate that. Yeah, that <laughs> you're, you're 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 like one of my heroes. Thank you. Um, uh, so that was super cool. Um, and then thanks, Kevin, for having me on yet again. Um, I love these. I love, I love talking. <laughs> <to Pokemon. laughs> I do too. 
Uh, thank you both for joining me and thank you everyone for listening. If you're on a podcast app, please leave a review. It's appreciated. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at mellow underscore Magikarp. Twitch streams will come back eventually, probably as soon as the kid learns how to hold its head up and has a neck. We'll, we'll stream a little more often, but in the meantime, it's up. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's some struggles right now, but he'll, he'll get there. I promise. <laughs> Take a couple months. Take a couple months. It's yeah. We we have a, we have a little ways to go actually, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. Catch you all next week.